0: Do you vote on these polls or do you find that there's a conflict of interest? Um, Both. I find there is a conflict of interest (laughs) and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah,
1: I vote. Yeah, I do vote. But sometimes I'm on the actual episode when we're talking to the person. My job is to sort of explore it with them. It's not always to fight with them. They're not always about absurd copy and paste defaults. So often on the episode, if I hear one back, I'll hear that I completely disagree with something, but I'm just being really nice about it on the episode. That's what it comes across as. You know, and really, I'm, I'm just trying to be nice on the show. But inside, Insider can be furious.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> it can be fuming. Big thanks to our partners, Linode, Fastly, and LaunchDarkly. We love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com slash changelog. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. And get your feature flags powered by LaunchDarkly. Get a demo at launchdarkly.com. What's up, Gophers? This episode is brought to you by friends at Teleport. With Teleport Access Plane, you can quickly access any computing resource anywhere. Engineers and security teams can unify access to SSH servers, Kubernetes clusters, web applications, and databases across all environments. Teleport is open core, which you can use for free, and it's supported by their cloud-hosted version, which lets you forget about configuring, updating, or managing Teleport. The Teleport team does all that for you. Your team can focus on your projects and spend less time worrying about infrastructure access try teleport today in the cloud self-hosted or open source head to goteleport.com to learn more and get started again goteleport.com
3: let's do it it's go time
0: Welcome to GoTime, your source for diverse discussions from around the Go community. We record live each and every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash changelog so you're notified of when we go live. And don't forget to hop into the Gophers Slack and the GoTime FM channel. That's where all the chatter happens. If this is your first time listening, subscribe now at gotime.fm. Hey, let's get right into it, shall we? Here we go.
1: I remember when uh, I first thought about it. I saw just unpopular opinions on Twitter of course people saying it and then it got very meta it was like people saying unpopular opinion and then saying a very popular opinion right and it got quite funny
0: I do recall that theme on Twitter there's even a subreddit called unpopular opinion mm. and I remember getting kind of snarky and mad about it because not the subreddit but the Twitter theme because people would use that as a way of getting you know viral tweets Mm. but their opinions were always very blasé you know and so the template was like state i'm gonna say an unpopular opinion and then Mm. insert one of the most popular things you could possibly say yeah and then go viral like that was the formula people were using yeah like unpopular opinion
1: i think we should all keep breathing oxygen (laughs) exactly unpopular opinion drink water yeah i don't know it's like okay yeah fair fair play there's something about this idea of having a a regular segment that you take very seriously of something that you know can be quite silly and that's what i thought it was going to be at the end of the show and it kind of is like it's a time everyone can kind of relax we've sort of done the business we've talked about the important subject and at the end of the show we can relax now it's in popular opinions and you you know you can be silly and we can disagree and it's quite, it's quite fun. But it turns out as well, there's been some really interesting conversations there too, hasn't there?
0: When we first started the segment, it was supposed to be incredibly silly, not serious. Yeah. And then we thought it'd be kind of fun to lean into that in kind of a sarcastic way and make it as serious as possible, right? So the, hence we have, we're recording you, we're going to take a clip, we're going to take the time to make a clip of your opinion we're going to put it on twitter and we're going to ask everybody what they think about your opinion so you share the opinion on GoTime, and then we have a poll and a very official poll on GoTime fm on twitter and not only that but we actually track the results and save them for later use <laughs> couldn't get more serious i mean practically you could start a government around such a policy <laughs> yeah and maybe we should maybe that should yeah. be an unpopular opinion
1: yeah that is that probably would be an unpopular opinion
0: and I copy the, each one of them out
1: onto a parchment and keep them locked in a dungeon nearby. And I've, I've collected that box today from that dungeon. Uh, it's very old and ornate. Look at
0: this. Mm. What do you think of it? Can you see it? It's quite ornate. Yeah,
1: that's, I said that. What, what do you think about it?
0: It's old and ornate. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah. I'm
0: impressed. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. So in there you have all of the unpopular opinions. Well, not all of them. You've collected the most unpopular and the most popular. Mm-hmm. And today we're gonna we're gonna pull them out and give the feedback on w- what actually happened on Twitter. Because on the show you hear the opinions, and on Twitter you get the results. But we've never brought the results back to the show. So that's what we're here to do. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great idea when you took them to twitter and started to really find out if they were popular or not but that's the thing like if something is 70 percent unpopular what does that mean is has the person done well in the segment they've made something that's unpopular is that the goal or is it is the goal that they want their opinions to be popular i still don't know
0: well that's the funny part is because you started telling people if their opinion is popular they have to come back on the show and try again yeah So it seems like the goal is to be as unpopular as possible unless you want to come back on go time. (laughs) Then you got to go popular and hope we invite you back. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's getting pretty meta.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't know how people are playing it these days, to be honest.
0: Well, we know how Grant Stelzer played it on episode 159. This was from GopherCon last year. What to expect when you're not expecting. Grant has the prize as the most unpopular opinion of all times.
4: Baseball mm. is the by far most exciting sport in the world.
1: Baseball, which one's that?
0: It's the
5: it's the one with the, all the bases and the ball. the ball.
1: Clues in the name, absolutely. <laughs> Clever name. Now, actually, I did, genuinely didn't didn't actually make that link. Well, baseball it gives us lots of um, like uh, metaphors, doesn't it? It contributes the most metaphors, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sure, Hannah, is is baseball a good? Hannah, do you agree? Is baseball a good sport?
6: So other than U.S. and uh, some Asian countries, who play baseball?
5: Yeah, I don't know. Latin America?
6: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in Europe?
5: No, not really. No, we
1: have uh, <laughs> kind of versions, different versions of it. I don't know. But yeah, so that is potentially unpopular. We'll just...
2: But they are missing the best sport, right?
1: <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. That's what we've heard. Uh, according to Grant, yeah. Uh, Derek, is baseball the best
4: sport? Best or or most most exciting? I, I I would refute refute most exciting. I think football is is pretty exciting. I get excited watching. I don't know if you consider this a sport, but I like watching like poker champions and championships and stuff, and that's that's mm. pretty exciting. <laughs> it depends on your metric.
1: I watch the Starcraft Online, the Starcraft Championships. Yeah, there
4: you <laughs> that's go. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just don't go outside, so.
0: There you have it. Is it baseball or StarCraft? Mm-hmm. The most exciting sport? Well, it depends. <laughs> well, 95% of people disagreed with Grant. Mm, that's amazing. That baseball is not the most exciting sport in the world. Well, there we go. So it's kind of funny that the most unpopular thing has nothing to do with Go or programming. or. The thing is, it's a tough
1: one, isn't it? Because you're making a, a very bold claim. I mean, it, saying it's the most exciting sport. Yeah. If you just said baseball is one of the most exciting sports, you could have... Made a few more friends, I think, but no. Yeah, perhaps. so that's
0: part of it. I think certain people hedge their opinions hmm. to make them more agreeable. And then others just lean in right. to the extreme, like Grant yeah. did here. And that's how yeah. they get most unpopular. It's. I also agree with Derek that the word exciting is really what it hinged on. Because I'm a fan of baseball. I think it's a great sport. I enjoy it quite a bit. I would say it's it can be intense or yeah. drama-filled, but it's definitely not the most exciting, like... There's a lot of downtime in baseball. There's a lot of standing around. There's a lot mm. of downtime. You might even say it's one of the most boring, even though it has moments of extreme excitement. But I think if he would have said it's the best sport in the world, he wouldn't have gotten most popular, but he would have probably been more in the middle where he'd split the audience. But by calling it the most exciting, I think that's where he, he won the prize of most unpopular of all time.
1: Yeah, well, good. No, well, well done to him. Mm-hmm. I think that's an achievement, isn't it? It is. Yeah.
0: He's number one. Yeah, number two goes to Steve High. Should we have done these in
1: reverse order?
0: Why? Why reverse order?
1: Well, it's like
0: five, four, three, two, one,
1: building up to the best one. No. Okay.
0: <laughs> but I appreciate okay. the mid-show feedback. Yeah. No, we're gonna just go this order. Okay. Fine. Number two. Yeah. Steve High on episode one seventy nine, event driven systems. I do not believe you were on this episode. No. Also, one of our most listened to episodes of all time.
7: I shared this with Dan yesterday, and he. He didn't like it at all, so I'm pretty sure this is unpopular. I think the overuse of er, err, e r r, as an error variable, I, I think it makes code harder to read. I really do. Now there's a lot of, you know, a lot of guardrails around that statement. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be writing 200, 300 line functions. I don't know. I think the error should, in some way, describe what it the error actually is, even if you put like a m or a g in front of it. I, I don't know, I, I see the reuse of er too much, and I don't know, to me it just makes code a little harder to read. As a corollary to that, I think there's another part of the language that people don't use enough, and that is naked braces. You know, you just have two mustache braces, and then, to me, like, I look at the code, and I can just totally read it a lot cleaner, even though it does some some things with scope as well, it just makes things a lot easier to read. So an old guy like me with failing eyes, it's really hard for me to figure out where that error began. You know, I, I'm, I just can't. So just give it a better name.
1: See, this is where it gets interesting. It started as a silly thing, and now, like, that is a genuinely interesting point that was just made there. Mm-hmm. And is unpopular in the sense that like almost everybody writes go in that way using err the er variable to call errors Mm -hmm. sometimes there'll be a reason why maybe you're dealing with two errors so you'll give them specific names like er one and er two uh yeah or sometimes (laughs) a little bit more yeah it can be or sometimes a bit more descriptive like you know you might be doing a parsing task whilst uh, also, trying to save some things, they might have a parser uh, and a save, uh, right? You know, but it's not the it's the exception; it's not the rule. Um, so it brings up an interesting point. Then you can't really argue that code should be made more clear. And if doing that would make the code more clear, that is a really interesting idea.
0: Yeah, there's also clarity in convention as well. Since everybody mm-hmm. uses ERR, doesn't that make it clear? Mm. In terms of what it is, I guess, in the case where you have multiple things, it doesn't. But because the convention in the Go world is to do that, it seems that going away from that, being the one contrarian, actually makes your code less clear.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. So then are we just going to do what's popular because it's popular for its own sake, because it's sort of already established and it's hard to fight? Or do we try and evolve... Uh, is it worth a fight to battle or yeah. try and change minds there? No, that's really interesting.
0: There's also a bigger thing here that this plays into, which is abbreviating things in code and yeah. clarity. Because, you know, brevity is the soul of wit, but it doesn't it's not the soul of readability necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big fan of just chopping words up, especially in this case, if we just say like, well, the word you're abbreviating is error, mm-hmm. and you're abbreviating it with error, which is just two letters shorter. I understand like taking internationalization and saying I18n. To me, that's a huge win. But this seems like such a small win. I wonder where it came from.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think probably the tradition of C. There's another thing that Dave Cheney often talks about in Go, which is that if you're using a variable nearby i if you've just got a little loop that you're going to yeah. loop around something then single letters are fine because the context is right there in front of you right if it spans multiple you know pages or you know a, a full page of code maybe you, you maybe you lose that context of what that thing means so it's worth having a slightly more descriptive thing and sort of like the further away you get from um where it's being used the the more Uh, descriptive its name needs to be yeah so fields in a struct for example need proper
0: good names ideally you know rather than single letters yeah no i do agree with that one i think that's a good way of going about it well 91 percent of people disagreed with steve high on Mm. twitter so steve you are the number two most unpopular opinion of all time apparently er is what people want to use there you go. So it's established
1: go. now. And there is value in that, in sticking with the crowd wisdom idioms. Idioms. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say that if you do want to change the way the crowd works, I think coming on go time and having this unpopular opinion that states your case is a good way of going about it versus merely changing your own code in the code that you write and never telling people why you're doing it. So maybe you yeah. can convince some people, but only nine percent so far, at least the of the Twitter folks. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to something totally unrelated. Well, it's related insofar as it's number three, most unpopular of all time. But the relation ends there. It has nothing to do with go. It has a lot to do with chocolate.
4: Well, So this will probably make me some enemies, uh, but chocolate's kind of (laughs) nasty.
8: Chocolate's nasty? Well, I have one thing to say about that you mean american chocolate yes. is nasty because i'm sorry but british chocolate's on point they're different yeah
4: actually milk chocolate like hershey's milk chocolate actually i don't know if that's even american or whatnot that's the only yeah. chocolate that i it's like weird. you know the stuff that people normally think is good like the dark chocolates and whatnot oh no okay
1: that hershey's chocolate contains no chocolate did you know that?
4: okay that's probably why i like it yeah. <laughs> sugar, sugar. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah i don't know what it is don't know what it is so that was john sabados on episode number 174 the trials and tribulations of testing in go an excellent episode if i do say so 84 percent unpopular people like chocolate matt no they do and you know you should have known that really
1: <laughs> you probably um, did know that which is why he did you did know it that's up. why it's an unpopular opinion isn't it yeah i've just realized the format i've just understood it um yes interesting um Funny, isn't it? People are all different. Yeah. That's all I've got to say on that. <laughs> we all have different opinions about foods. Yeah. We did say that they didn't have to be about tech. And I think if I remember the first ever one was about New York taxis.
0: That's right. The bus versus
1: taxis or something like this. Yeah. said so the buses, buses were great, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, which ones do you like better? Do you like the, the technology, the Go related ones, the software world, or do you like these non sequiturs about chocolate, baseball, Taxis. Yeah, I like all of them. I like them all because you, like them all.
1: You, you you do you do well. You can learn things about the language and different ideas that people are thinking about the language. That 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 was the surprise for me because I thought it would be much more personal about things like you know I like to copy on my computer. I'll never paste. You know that stuff like that would <laughs> be. You know you learn quirky things about people where they're a bit right. interesting and you do get that too. Like in that case. But
0: yeah, so yeah, I do really do enjoy all of them. Well, this next one was by me. You were there. This is episode 154 How Go Helped Save Healthcare.gov, which actually became, I think, the most popular episode of the modern era. Mm -hmm. probably because of this opinion right here. This is what drove everybody to the show. Mm -hmm. I was actually going for most unpopular of all time. I didn't expect to come in with 81% unpopular, although I did help the JS Party listeners also, you know, vote on that particular poll just for fun. I see. And that is that JS Party is better than go time. You remember this opinion very well, Matt, because I think you were quite convinced, at least for a moment, by my superior logic and wisdom. Here we go. So I'm not going to come on a podcast about Go and say that JavaScript is a better programming language and they go, I'm no fool. You know, I want to walk <laughs> out of here alive. But I will happily start a proxy war by saying that JS Party is a superior podcast to Go time. You're off the show. You're off the show. (laughs) (laughs) Let me quantify this a bit, okay? I have some evidence. So more is better, okay? We have more panelists. We have more male panelists. We have more female panelists. We have more variety. We play game shows. We host formal debates. We write and rehearse poems. We explain things to each other like we're five. You guys don't explain anything to each other like you're five. <laughs> GoTime records on Tuesdays, one of the worst days of the week. JS Party records on Thursdays. Thursday is closer to the weekend, obviously better. Mm. We cover more topics. GoTime is about Go. JS Party yeah. is about JavaScript and the web. That's twice as many things. That's cheating.
1: That's cheating. And that's twice as many things.
0: And we know the web is huge. So tons of variety. Take, you
1: can't take HTTP to a JS Party.
0: <laughs> so in review. See, we do poetry. We have more awesome panelists. We have more variety. It's on a better day. And this is the big finale point. You're going to like this one. JS Party has 100% less Matt Ryer, Which means <laughs> we really cut down on those awkward silences.
1: <laughs> wow. That was quite the pitch.
0: At the pitch, indeed. Now, I do have to say that since then, we actually have gotten some Matt Ryer on JS parties, so I think my claim is proving out to be false.
1: Yeah, not hundred percent now, but like, not, still quite good for an SLA. If, you, if part of your, if part of your SLA was not to have me on it, I think you're still in the nines. You still got the few nines there. I just want to pick up on one point though. Uh, Thursday is no closer to the weekend than Tuesday.
0: Well, to the weekend to come. You don't look back to the weekend and say, "I can't wait for that." That already happened.
1: No, but you say, oh, that was a good weekend. Remember it in a different way.
0: But it's just about distance. Come Tuesday, you're not thinking about last weekend. Come on. You're thinking about this upcoming weekend, aren't you? I don't know. Depends how good mm. it is. Fair enough. Yeah, but just just in, you know, as far as distance to weekend goes, I just want to make that clear. I know that our listeners can be very pedantic. Unfortunately, 81% of people disagreed with me, but mm. they got me at number four all time, most unpopular opinion. Now, the Christ. next one... It was recently, and this one, I think, did you throw up in your mouth a little bit when Jay Conrad said this? I think Jay Conrad was doing this like as
1: a serious, like as a personal attack on air. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's got that vibe about it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because he knows, he knows my position on this. And the, bear in mind, he know he wouldn't say this if he didn't already know my position on this. That's it- That's the thing that gets me about this one.
5: I've got one. Matt, I'm not sure if you'll consider this a personal attack or not. Oh, it's not going to be about <laughs> hairlines, is it?
4: Go, on, I want to hear it.
5: <laughs> My unpopular opinion is that Control-V or Command-V for the mech users out there should paste with formatting by default. Oh, that is Oof. outrageous. That one genuinely... <laughs> I, know, I know, right? And the reason is, if you're pasting within the same doc, like you're moving a paragraph or something, you definitely want to keep that formatting. Right. If you're copying from... You know a different doc in the same app you probably still do yeah I know it's weird when yeah. you paste from the web browser and yeah. it has formatting you don't want, but I think it's better for Control V to do the same thing wherever you are every time. I like software that's simple and not too magical or at least you know simple to understand and explain even if it's doing something complicated.
4: yeah, that's and, why you work on fuzzing yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know right that's why I work on
5: modules too <laughs> Go as a language, I think. I mean, there are definitely parts of it that are a little too magical for my taste. But Go as a language, I think, values simplicity and explicitness. Mm. And that's why I have bad opinions <laughs> about pasting. Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, that one really... I mean, I've never been angry before uh, <laughs> on this.
0: <laughs> are you still angry?
1: Well, uh, yeah, as I say, I mean... Come on. This this thing is like, a, <laughs> a, a, this gets me still every day. I have to <laughs> paste in this awkward way to try and get rid of the formatting. It does make an interesting point, though, about, you know, within one doc. Yeah. If you're in a doc and you're copying and pasting, I actually think probably it does make sense there. But not between apps. If you're in Safari and you copy some text... Why on earth would you want it to have the exact color that that website happens to have in your document? That, that will almost never be the case.
0: Yeah, I just ran into that the other day. I was copying out of Safari into Keynote, mm-hmm. and it, caught, it was like yellow in Safari, so it came into Keynote in yellow. And I'm like, no, I just want the text. I don't want the yellow. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, I'm, I couldn't be more against this opinion. I think this is the one that I'm the most against so far. Yeah Well maybe chocolate is bad I'm against that one as well But as you noticed in the clip Jay did specifically say He knew you were going to get mad Right He he yeah. doesn't want you to think This is a personal attack Which of course means That's exactly what it was
1: Well he knew That it was going to get me Get to me didn't <laughs> And he? it got to you I mean you're still mad it.
0: To this moment Yeah Yeah
1: Well it's just a, You know Again I think the lesson here Everybody is Everyone's different And you know Sometimes people are just Definitely wrong <laughs>
0: So there's your top five most unpopular opinions to date. We also have some runners-up that we will just briefly hear mention. On episode 167, Ian Lomshire said that he thinks futures have a place in Go. 76% of people disagree with Ian on that point. On episode number 183, Preslav Rachev said that Go needs more magic. I did not expect that to be popular and it was not 75% of people disagreed with Pressler on that point and that actually generated a nice conversation on Twitter about such things which we'll link to of course on this episode so you can go read that conversation quite a debate around that point and then somehow Mark Bates got himself onto the show and on episode number 171 he confessed that he doesn't particularly like bacon yeah which was also 75% unpopular So that is our top five most unpopular opinions. Baseball most exciting, er, hard to read, chocolate kind of nasty, jazz party is better, and paste with formatting a default.
2: This episode is brought to you by our friends at LaunchDarkly, feature management for the modern enterprise... testing in production at any scale. Here's how it works. LaunchDarkly enables development teams and operation teams to deploy code at any time even if a feature isn't ready to release to users. Wrapping code with feature flags gives you the safety to test new features and infrastructure in your production environments without impacting the wrong end users. When you're ready to release more widely, update the flag status and the changes are made instantaneously by their real-time streaming architecture. Eliminate risk, deliver value, get started for free today at LaunchDarkly.com again launchdarkly.com
0: well switching gears now let's switch now to the top five most popular we'll do this your way We'll work our way up to number one. We'll do it your way, Matt, just because I'm kind and gracious. Okay, thank you. So let's start at the bottom, also because I get to go first that way. Because hey, I'm back. Oh. This one was eighty-three percent popular with the crowd. Okay, so hang on, what does
1: what does that mean? Eighty-three percent popular. This means eighty-three percent of people
0: agree with you, right? Correct. But the segment's unpopular opinions. So are you losing are you winning or losing? Well, I'm in both lists, so I both won and lost. These are actually the top five losers Yeah, because their opinions are popular, which means they failed yeah, to but be unpopular.
1: It's good to be popular, isn't it? That's the thing. This is what I'm, I'm struggling with in my understanding. There's an
0: old Dimitri Martin joke that he says that when you win employee of the month, you are simultaneously a winner and a loser. We'll let you chew on that one. So here we are. Successful devs are stubborn. This was my opinion on episode 167 The Art of Reading the Docs. So I kind of stole my own thunder earlier uh, <laughs> in the show because my opinion is that one of the primary traits of successful developers is stubbornness. Not intelligence necessarily, not anything else. Although you can have, we can have more than one trait, people. It can happen. But I think that what I've seen over the years and what I've experienced is the ones that really succeed and of course define success, right? Proficiency in what they're doing. Maybe you reach a level of like a CTO, maybe you're a senior engineer, whatever it is. Like you can build apps, you can make it through. Is that those people are generally stubborn and maybe that's not the perfect word to use but that refusal to give up until it works the powering through the docs that we talked about or through the source code the willingness to dive into the source code and say nah I'm not going to just go eat dinner right now now it doesn't mean it's always the best trait but I think it's it's there often. I'm gonna sit here and I'm not leave until I understand this like that I see that in so many su- successful software engineers that I've met over the years that we've interviewed on the shows uh, the ones that'll just re- keep rewriting that function until it's good enough like they're never happy with it being good enough and they're gonna keep going until they have like the ability to write functions pretty well the first time around or maybe the second pass. Stubbornness is usually there now. Stubbornness causes all sorts of problems too, right? (laughs) Like it can actually be maladaptive in many circumstances and make social interactions and working on a team and like all these things can actually cause problems. But I think it's a virtue in certain cases when it comes to software development. I think that lots of the people I've seen who are successful are also stubborn or persevere, if you want to say it in a kinder way. That's my opinion. So some of this opinion came out of the work I've done in teaching where I would find certain students when they hit that road bump. Because a lot of like learning how to achieve things in software is making it through the hurdles and the roadblocks. Yeah. And certain students would hit a roadblock and they would just they would just tap out. It's just like, I can't do this. And it was over with. And they would never really advance from there. Whereas other students would hit that roadblock and they're like, I'm just going to bang my head against this roadblock until it breaks down and I get through it. And those are the ones that end up going through and being successful. I see. Yeah. I I mean, that does kind of make sense. It does. And I also had an appropriate number of hedges in there. If you listen closely, like I wasn't, I didn't take a hard line. I also recognized how stubbornness can be a, a problem in teams and in life. And so I think that's why so many people agreed with me 83%. Yeah. Now, somebody else who did a whole lot of hedging was Carolyn Van Slyke. In fact, You know, behind the scenes, when we create these clips, a lot of the results have a lot to do with things that aren't necessarily what was said, because not everybody listens to the audio, and a lot of it's like headline creation. And some people do a great job of like stating their opinion in a one-liner, and then backing it up, and then other people kind of talk in a more fluid sense, and I, as the clip creator, have to somehow represent that in some sort of a Mm. a soundbite or a digestible headline which can be problematic because I've misrepresented a few opinions on accident and have had later had to, what is it called, eat crow? Yeah. I don't know why it's called that, but yeah, I've had to eat crow and say, yeah, I really screwed that one up. So Carolyn Vance likes opinion on a recent episode all about Porter, which was a, another good one that you put together on episode 184, is the number four most popular unpopular opinion of all time with 84% in agreement with her. And I actually had to work with Carolyn behind the scenes to create the headline because I had no idea how to say it best without misrepresenting what she was trying to say. And she even created some hedges in the headline, such as putting a question mark at the end and saying maybe. And I'm like, Carolyn, this is not going to be unpopular. (laughs) Turns out it wasn't.
9: I
8: think new contributors have a superpower that maintainers will never have for a project. Mm,
9: Interesting.
8: Yeah, digging into that a little bit. Think of the person who comes up to your project and tells you that it's wrong. It's not solving the same problem, or they don't get it. Like, just like Johnny giving me a little bit of grief at the beginning of the show, because even though I earnestly tried to describe what Porter did, I missed connecting with him. Right. And as a maintainer, oftentimes when you get this feedback, your first instinct is to be very defensive and go, Oh, Johnny's fault. Yeah, exactly. You just don't get it. No yeah. Obviously, you're not doing the advanced really. cool things that I'm doing or something like that. You never know. But actually, as a maintainer, if you take every single one of those as the honest to goodness truth that you failed to communicate with that person, example being I have a, a new user guide, a quick start that gets them up and running, they run through it and they still don't get it. That's on me. Right. Mm. My landing page, someone comes to it, they read about Porter or anything, you know, and they go, when, when I use it, these are feedback that you can take and go, this is what I was missing. And you'll never see that as a maintainer. If you wrote it or you've been working for it a long time, if you're like neck deep in that project, you will Mm -hmm. never have this perspective ever. And every single person who's willing to make themselves vulnerable and tell you that there's a problem that they didn't get it, it doesn't matter. Like, they may be a jerk about it. But like, think about that feedback. They wouldn't have said it unless you had failed in communicating somewhere.
1: Well, that's why the Porter documentation is so good. If you have that attitude. Yeah. Then, of course. And yes, you know, that's obviously the very best you know i think you you can tell that um carolyn does a lot of uh, spends a lot of time thinking about that and it's the sort of user experience of of your apis or whatever it is that you, you've got your projects and it is so important it's one of those important things like you know writing as a skill even becomes mm-hmm. such an important thing for software engineers to have um and it's worth kind of Uh, exploring and practicing and things because yeah it's it it makes all the difference Uh, if you can onboard people you know easier you know that just by spending a bit of time in the writing um and thinking about it really from their point of view which is that's this kind of shortcut trick if you want to if you want to write better documentation like you have to sort of imagine you don't know anything if you can work with somebody as well that that also is cool but carolyn's right if if they're new new people to the project, their questions
0: are really valuable because they probably represent lots
1: of other people too, don't
0: they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing is when you're receiving bad or negative or jerky feedback, first of all, it hurts because it's on something you've poured a lot into, right? So we identify oftentimes with the thing that we created, of course. But for every one person who gives you that feedback, you have to realize there's probably nine or maybe 99, I don't know what the order of magnitude it is. happy people that are using it and have never said a word to you.
1: Fair point. I can see why it was a popular one. 84% popular.
0: Yep. Good job, Carolyn. Or bad job, if you're trying to be unpopular. We don't know. Number three most popular opinion of all times. This comes from Mislav Marinich. He works at GitHub on their CLI. Mm. He was on episode 153, GitHub's Go-powered CLI. And he had the opinion that the Go community lacks great GraphQL clients. Let's take a listen.
6: Well, I'll start with the Go-related one because the other one was not specifically Go-related. And a lot of what we were excited to do with the um, GitHub CLI, so the next iteration after Hub, uh, was we wanted to really try out how it feels using the GraphQL version of the GitHub API, which shipped in between. So of course, Hub the originally has used the REST version and there was not enough added value into migrating completely to another version of the, the GraphQL API. So we only did that experiment with GitHub CLI when we eventually start working on it, thinking that there would be this massive win over in this new API paradigm, which is supposedly really more powerful. And I found that the exact features of the Go language, uh, static typing and compiling that is not actually lend itself well to being a good GraphQL client. And so while I'm talking about this, just keep in mind that I'm mostly just talking about an experience of writing in Go a GraphQL client, so something that makes and parses GraphQL requests. I have zero experience of making a GraphQL server in Go, which some of my colleagues, other colleagues in GitHub have experience with, but I have not first had experience. So this is not about making a server, which I feel that there's more solid tooling. But when we look at the offering of the different GraphQL clients that are written in Go right now, and mostly used as a de facto standard when we look at the largest, most prolific projects that are open source right now, uh, if we look at how they make requests, not just to GitHub's GraphQL API, but to any other, I feel that all of those libraries right now are missing the mark on what makes GraphQL really stand out. GraphQL is not a query language that wanted to be used by having a pre-generated query, which is always the same per compiled (laughs) version of an app, and then having different requests come in separately because they were all statically generated from maybe a schema or something like that. GraphQL wanted to, first of all, Allow people to bundle several queries at once, or even several mutations. We can. I don't think it will allow bundling a query and a mutation acting on the results of those query. I think that's decidedly against its design. But it definitely can execute an arbitrary number of queries at the same time, and also an arbitrary number of mutations. So if I wanted to change labels on a hundred GitHub issues in the same request, theoretically I can do that, right? And I was really excitedly searching for go tools that allow you to kind of batch up a bunch of queries and then they all execute kind of transparently over GraphQL and wasn't the thing that I was able to to find there we go eighty six percent
1: popular yeah kind of uh i I agree with that actually I'd probably vote for that one being popular um David and I wrote one at Machine Box, which is still used. It's a client, github.com slash machinebox slash graphql. And it takes this very sort of light approach for that reason, because the queries are different every time. Mm-hmm. So you kind of put the queries just in with the strings. It's part of what you're doing. But of course, with that, you lose type safety that I suppose is what the others are trying to bring. But yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting point. Very technical one,
0: wasn't it? That one. It was. He also shared another unpopular opinion, which we turned into a blog post that got a lot of traction as well. It was a very long opinion, so I didn't even clip it. But it was that Git is too hard. Mm. And he goes into the reasoning for that, which was you know, something to hear from a guy who works for GitHub and has worked on and around Git for so many years. So I'll link that one up in the show notes as well for those who want to read it. Of course, you can listen to that episode if you want both of Mislav's opinions as well. as a great conversation around why Go was a great fit for their new CLI, the official GitHub command line interface. Shall we move on to number two? Lessons, please. This one's kind of funny because it's from Chris Brando, who's a GoTime panelist, who has tried really hard to have unpopular, unpopular opinions. Mm. And here he is with the number two most popular unpopular opinion of all times he shared this on episode 157 the secret life of gophers which was also a gopher episode from last year and that's that he thinks things that are disadvantages actually become advantages
4: let's take a listen any other unpopular opinions i've got one Hmm. i feel like this actually might be an unpopular opinion uh, uh, i guess it really depends on who you are but i think a lot of the things we usually see as disadvantages especially when it comes to the the dni space like race or gender or sexual orientation can actually be advantages in a lot of ways like say like oh well you have like less you get less things like you don't get as much of a leg up because you're a black person within a you know white and asian dominated industry but I see that as like, oh, well, I have to like work harder. Yes. But then like I know how to work harder so I can just keep working harder. I have the extra stamina. I have the ability to keep going. Um, or like as a queer person, it's like people are like, oh, I would never want to be queer. And it's like, well, I got to choose my life. I got to sit down and think about and figure out what it was that I wanted my life to be. And I see that as like a tremendous advantage. So I think in a lot of ways, like the things we usually see as disadvantages are more just like differences Uh, And in some cases, as the world changes, they can become advantages.
1: Well, I love the idea of that being true. I'm really pleased
0: that that one's 93% popular. Mm -hmm. Chris has gone on to share many unpopular opinions over the last year since he joined the show as a panelist. None have been quite this popular. But none have quite been as unpopular as he had hopes. So mm-hmm. I love working with Chris on this because he's always like, I think this one's, even that one, he was very positive. He's like, I think this is going to be very unpopular. But no, turns out no.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just sort of um, sums Chris up that sort of spirit that, you know, nothing, nothing can kind of slow him down. And yeah. it's, it's just a sort of um, great attitude to have. It's very inspiring. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, It annoys me that we still talk about diversity, that we still have to keep Mm. talking about it. Like, you know, um, it seems to be maybe it's one of the things we'll we'll, we'll always have to talk about it. It just becomes like part of what we always have to do for some reason, fighting against some default.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. Mm. I think it's gotten better from my perspective over the last five years. I hope so. What I like to see as a trend, which is happening, something that we practice here at Changelog is... Instead of bringing on, you know, diverse guests to talk about diversity, let's just bring on awesome, diverse guests to talk about what it is that they're awesome at. Mm. And like, let's, that, let's let that be a thing. And I'm seeing that quite a bit nowadays. So that's that's enlightening, or not enlightening, heartening. Yeah. But like you said, we do need to talk about these things still. And so we still are. Yeah. Okay, should we get to number one? Marcel Van Loewisen. Is that how you say his name? Marcel Van Louisen. Mm. My apologies, Marcel Van Loewisen. Yes, of Q fame. Yeah, of Q fame, talking about Q, configuration superpowers for everyone. This is one on episode number 163. 94% popular, that's darn near everybody agrees with him when Mm -hmm. he says that inheritance is the biggest source of complexity in configuration languages. Here it is.
3: So to me, basically, uh, co- uh, inheritance is the biggest source of complexity in configuration languages and a great evil that should be avoided, you know, which might sound, sound sensible after everything I explained today, but <laughs> it does mean it eliminates most configuration languages as mm-hmm. a useful yeah. tool. So that might yeah. be unpopular.
1: Well, I don't know if it's going to be unpopular to Go people because one of the nice things about Go is it, you can't build these complex type hierarchies. And I, I used to do C Sharp. And honestly, I would build like <laughs> cathedrals out of type. <laughs> honestly, beautiful things, generics, generics with various conditions. Oh. And then like the next day when I'd go to try and look at it, I was like, you no no i'll start again and go sort of doesn't have them and so you can't tie yourself in knots in that same way but we'll see we do test these unpopular opinions marcel and if you don't manage to we, we actually poll them on twitter to find out if they are indeed unpopular ah. yeah. and if they're not you have to come back on and, and think of another one
0: so it sounds like marcel needs to come back on the show mm, yeah because that is the most popular one <laughs> it is of all time
7: yeah
1: See, I think sometimes the way that the person pitches it is (laughs) usually so convincing that Mm -hmm. when people just hear that clip, it's like you can't help but agree with it. I think there's a bit of that that happens, which is why a lot of them, it's quite hard to get
0: an actual unpopular one, isn't it? It is, which is why Chris has put a lot of work into getting unpopular ones and still (laughs) he manages to be popular. But he's also really good at explaining these things and Marcel did a great job explaining the reasoning why. And I agree. I think if we required clip- consumption before voting i think we'd have even more popular opinions because usually the one-liner can be harsh or outlandish in order to get that unpopular but then when you when you hear the explanation it softens it it provides its context and nuance and like you said people describe them very well and you can't help but agree at the end of the day
1: yeah they do a great job and uh, you know they're always entertaining or you learn something or both
0: So I'm really pleased that we do these. So am I. And we do have some runners up for most popular. On episode number 173, Natalie Pistonovich said, if you have a decently paying job and aren't in a minority or diversity group, don't apply for diversity scholarships. That one was 83% popular, but let's face it, it probably should have been closer to 100. On episode number 167, Chris Brando said, we try to make software engineering look too easy. 81% of Gophers Agreed. And on episode number 165, Michael Knizek said, Go's garbage collector doesn't need to become generational. 81% of people agreed.
2: What's going on, Gophers? This episode is brought to you by Equinix Metal. If you want the choice and control of hardware with the overhead and the developer experience of the cloud, you need to check out Equinix Metal. Deploy in minutes across 18 global locations from Silicon Valley to Sydney. Visit metal.equinix.com slash just and receive $100 in credit to play with. Again, metal.equinix.com slash just add metal.
0: Next up, we have a bunch of generics unpopular opinions. What do you think? Should we try to do all of them?
1: Yeah, let's go through them quick. Do lightning round. Lightning generic. Op-
0: what do you mean generic? Well, Their opinions about generics. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> okay, we have three nays and a yay. Let's start with the positive one. This is Bill Kennedy on episode number 172, Design Philosophies.
9: <laughs> I'm a fan of generics. <laughs> I think that generics are gonna bring some really great things to the language that we don't have today that I'd like to see. Now you to say, Bill, what is that? I wanna see a package in the standard library that can implement as many of the concurrency patterns that we all have to code ourselves. I think there's mm. more bugs in Go code today because everybody's writing their own. Pooling patterns, fan outs, mm. uh, other complex things that could be coded by somebody on the language team where you just pass a function or something, and you know that the concurrency pattern is solid, right? So, super excited about that. You know, the sync.map, look at the comments around the sync.map type. You know, somebody <laughs> engineered that to be mechanically sympathetic with the hardware caching system that you don't get if you use a regular Go map. Imagine we could put a concrete type to that. I wouldn't use a regular Go map ever again because <laughs> if I'm going to be doing heavy, heavy map stuff, and I'm going to get the mechanical sympathies of the caching system with that type. And I get to use a concrete type on top of that? golden. <laughs> I think you're golden.
0: On episode number 177, Building Startups with Go, Ramiro Berrieza said he's against the generics. This opinion split the audience. 51% agreed with
3: Ramiro. I believe that the whole... Not having generics is a good thing for Go. And that there's only one way of doing things is really, really good. Every time there's a discussion on like introducing another way of dealing with like returns or errors, like that pattern of like, if error, different than nil, then do that. I know it's repetitive, but I love it. I think going back to what I was kind of talking about early, it makes your code a lot more declarative. Intent is clearer on why you're doing things. So that is something that I hope that the people who are working right now in generics I wish they would not do it, I think now it's a done deal. But if they do, I hope that we don't lose on this kind of like one way of doing everything. That's one thing that I love about Go, that when I was coding in Python, gave me a lot of like trouble. Is like, just, you know, there's one way of like, I don't know, writing to this, and that's great. And then everyone, follows that pattern. That is something that I, I hope that sticks around for a while.
0: Daniel Marti, who is one of our frequent guests is also against generics, not the feature itself, but the amount of time and money that could have been invested elsewhere. This is from episode number 155, titled, What Would You Remove From Go?
9: I've got one, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think Go as a language is making a mistake by, sp- by investing so much into generics, because hmm. they're putting a bunch of very smart people for years and years into generics, how to design them and how to implement them. And if instead you invested those resources in improving the compiler's support of interfaces, with changes like the one we discussed for 116, I think if you covered the common use cases of interfaces and made them faster, I think a lot of use, use cases for uh, generics would go away.
1: Hmm: That's an interesting one. Is that popular or unpopular?? Mm.
0: Turns out it was 59% popular with GoTime listeners. Last, but certainly not least, we have Brian Kettleson. Brian joined Matt on episode number 170 to talk about code generation. He was so excited to share his unpopular opinion, he shared it before the segment ever started.
4: (laughs) So my favorite is when you have a pattern that you want to apply to a problem set, and you, you need to do that over and over. Um, you know, you need to treat a particular resource a certain way. Uh, and it's going to be the same for all the resources. Um, there isn't exactly a generic way to do it. But it's such a cookie cutter approach that you can write something, you can write some metadata, and then use that metadata to introspect you know, the problem domain and then generate code.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've used it before. I had um, a, a data structure, and obviously Go doesn't yet have generics, but um, I had a data structure that I wanted to support multiple types. And I, made, I wrote a little program where I could just give it uh, the array of types that I wanted to support, and it would generate the code for each type. So I got strong types, uh, but it, you know, I didn't have to write out every version of it. I
4: mean, Go generate is the only generics we need in Go.
5: Mm. Oh, boy. We're already starting that. <laughs> you said
4: come armed with an unpopular opinion. There's mine. We don't need generics in Go. Generics make Go harder to read hmm. and they're going to decrease my quality of life as a Go programmer.
5: Okay. There's sure. my
4: unpopular opinion.
5: Okay. We, we do. Tweet it. that up.
4: Put, put it on Twitter. That's my unpopular Generics <laughs> that will that? decrease my quality of life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was like in the first five minutes of the show, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, that show's a great one. People should listen to the whole thing. He starts the episode with a song. He
0: does, and he ends it with a song as well.
1: Yeah, well, you would but I, I expect that, but mm. starting it with a song.
0: Oh, that's unexpected.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing.
0: That's a great episode, though. So one thing I've been curious to ask Matt is... Your take on generics. Mm. You've hosted a lot of people's opinions. Most recently, I think Mark Bates and Johnny both gave opinions on generics on the mistakes episode that we just shipped, I think, last week or two weeks back. But I never hear you say what you actually think about it. You just kind of host other people's thoughts. What's your take on generics and Go? Well, the reasons that people don't want it, I, I
1: get and I agree with. And the reasons people want it, I get and agree with. So it's kind of like, I won't abuse generics because... Um, I you know my I've been burned before basically mm. so so I'll be able to I think use generics, maybe I will overuse it, who knows, but probably I've got a good chance of using it in the right place and in the right way to solve the right kind of problem and the thing is that wasn't true for me for channels because I hadn't had any experience with channels, so I was using them all over the place where I didn't need to, and that's an important thing to take into account when we add new features to the language because there will be lots of people that are new to the language or just that haven't had, maybe they haven't had generics before in the language. That's entirely possible. Uh And it seems like it fits more problems than it really does, I think. So, but I think it's just gonna to have to be conversation that happens. We have to have talks about it and keep talking as a community and write blog posts and do podcasts and talk about it to figure that stuff out, which we have to do for everything anyway. Um so yeah, I do but I do understand some of the objections to it, but I also see like there are some certain problems, the sweet spot where it's gonna just make the code kind of pretty. Great, really. but you know, I've been quite a big fan of Code gen before, and that episode with Brian was talking about code generation, episode 170. Mm-hmm. and um, it's yeah, so I've also had a lot of success with code generation. I quite like that. That's almost like a developer tool to write the code for you. you know it's not part of the CI. it's not it's not run automatically anywhere. It's an explicit command you do after you've changed some data source. And and you're sort of responsible for the code that gets generated. So you then check that code in. So that ownership model of generated code, I think, is very powerful. And you can solve basically any problem you can solve with generics. You can solve with that technique. So for people that have got that technique down, I think they, put, they may never use generics. Or maybe they will in the right places, you know, because it makes code cleaner or
0: just want to do it to try it. Well said. Thanks for sharing that. Matt, thanks for hanging out and bringing these clips out of your dungeon with your ornateness. Oh yeah, I can't that. remember what your little story was. Yeah, i got a box. That's right. really ornate box. Um, pop them back in now, shall we? What are you going to do with that after we're done here? Does it That's better than back in the crypt. <laughs> of course. where they belong. All right. We will see you next time on Go Time. Is that how you do it? On yeah. Go Time. Yeah. Why not? Go Time. If you enjoyed this unpop roundup let us know so we can keep it in our back pocket for future episodes leave a comment on the episode page on changelog.com you can get there by clicking the discussion link in your show notes and if you are not subscribed to changelog weekly you are missing out on what's new and fresh in the world of software we track the news the best repos we tell you what's interesting and why subscribe now at changelog.com weekly it's totally free go time is produced by jared santo with music by breakmaster cylinder we are brought to you by fastly Launchdarkly, and linode next time on go time john calhoun welcomes mihai todor and ashley jeffs to the show to talk data streaming and benthos stay tuned for that one it will be hitting your podcast feed next week